Hello, my fellow minor league nerds, and welcome to the newest episode of our minor league baseball franchise history series. This episode will actually not be about a minor league team, for this episode is about the Chicago American Giants. The Chicago American Giants were one of the most dominant black-owned teams in baseball into the 1930s. Their roots can be traced back to 1887 and an independent team called the Chicago Unions, who were led by Abe Jones from 1887 to 1889, and then W.S. Peters from 1890 to 1900. In 1899, another black team was formed in Chicago under the direction of John W. Patterson called the Chicago Columbia Giants. In 1901, the Chicago Unions and the Chicago Columbia Giants merged to become first the Chicago Union Giants and then later the Leland Giants who were owned by Frank Leland. In 1910, the Leland Giants split into two franchises after team captain Rube Foster gained legal control over the name. Frank Leland's team became the Chicago Giants, lasting until 1921, and Rube Foster's team would remain the Leland Giants, changing their name to the Chicago American Giants in 1911. Rube Foster, who is known as the father of the Negro Leagues, owned and managed the team until 1926. It's been reported that in 1910, the Leland Giants won 123 games while only losing six. In 1911, Foster went into a partnership with tavern owner John Shorling, the son-in-law of White Sox owner Charles Comiskey. The partnership allowed the American Giants to play their home games at the White Sox Old Stadium Southside Park, which had been renamed Shorelings Park and saw $15,000 worth of renovations, including a new 9,000-seat grandstand. In their first decade of existence, the team played as an independent. But that all changed on February 13, 1920, when the Negro National League was formed with eight teams by a coalition of owners who met at the Paseo YMCA in Kansas City. Foster built his teams to rely on fielding, pitching, speed, and inside baseball, or as it is known today, small ball. That led to great success as the American Giants won the first three Negro National League pennants in 1920, 1921, and 1922. The American Giants were overtaken by the Kansas City Monarchs in 1923, with the Monarchs also winning three pennants in a row. Also in 1923, the Hildale Athletic Club and the Bacharach Giants split from the Negro National League, forming a new league called the Eastern Colored League. The ECL went on and raided the other circuit for players, with Rube Foster losing his ace pitcher, Dave Brown to the New York Lincoln Giants. The two leagues eventually reached an agreement to respect each other's contracts and play a World Series. Unhappy with being bested by the Monarchs, Foster cleaned house in the spring of 1925, 
releasing several players and retooling his team. On May 26th, he was nearly asphyxiated by a gas leak in Indianapolis. Though he recovered and returned to the team, his behavior grew erratic from then on. For the 1926 season, he finished reshaping his team with the club finishing in third place in the season's first half. Unfortunately, Foster would not finish out the second half of the season. Over the years, he grew increasingly paranoid and took to carrying a revolver with him everywhere he went. He suffered from serious delusions, including one where he believed he was about to receive a call to pitch in the World Series. Around the midpoint of the season, he was institutionalized in an asylum in Kankakee, Illinois. The team carried on under his protege, Dave Malarcher, who took over the on-field management while John Shorling took over as the owner until 1928 when he sold the club to William E. Trimble. They led the team to the Negro National League pennant in both 1926 and 1927, as well as back-to-back Negro World Series titles when they defeated the Eastern Colored League's Baccarat Giants of Atlantic City in both seasons. Rube Foster passed away on December 9, 1930. Thousands stood in the snow and rain to attend his funeral in the Bronzeville neighborhood of Chicago. At his funeral, according to attendees, his coffin was closed at the usual hour a ball game ends. He is buried at Lincoln Cemetery in Blue Island, Illinois. The Negro National League carried on without Foster, though it clearly suffered without his leadership, ultimately collapsing after the 1931 season due to the economic stress of the Great Depression. In 1932, under the ownership of Robert A. Cole and Horace G. Hall, the team joined the Negro Southern League as Cole's American Giants, a name they kept until 1935. They went on to win the league pennant that season, which turned out to be their last. The next season, they joined the new Negro National League, which was founded by Gus Greenlee, owner of the Pittsburgh Crawfords. They won the first half league title, with Pittsburgh winning the second. Instead of playing a championship series, Greenlee awarded the pennant to his Crawfords. Though some sources I found said the two teams did indeed play a one game which ended in a tie. At the end of May 1933, the American Giants were kicked out of Shorelings Park due to the owners wanting to use it as a dog racing track for the remaining summer months. This led to them moving to Perry Stadium in Indianapolis for their home games for the remainder of that season. 1934 saw them return to Shorelings Park as the dog track venture failed when the Illinois legislature refused to legalize such racing. They won the league's second-half title, earning the right to face the first-half winners, the Philadelphia Stars, in the league championship series, which, unfortunately, the American Giants lost four games to three. In 1936, they reverted back to the Chicago American Giants, becoming an independent once again. They were charter members of the Negro American League in 1937, 
but would never reach the same glory they once had. 1941 saw them move into Comiskey Park, playing their home games while the White Sox were on the road. Ted Double Duty Ratcliffe became manager of the team in 1950. The team's owner, Dr. J.B. Martin, who took over in 1937, was concerned about black players joining major league teams, so he instructed Radcliffe to sign some white players, seeing him recruit five. Abe Saperstein, founder of the Harlem Globetrotters, was involved with the team in 1952, which was their last season in the Negro American League, as after that season, they once again became an independent. The team disbanded in 1956, but was revived in 1958, playing throughout the South until 1961. The Chicago White Sox honored the American Giants by wearing throwback replica uniforms during several regular season games over the years. Eleven members of the Chicago American Giants have been inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. They include Cool Papa Bell, Oscar Charleston, Andy Cooper, Bill Foster, Rube Foster, John Henry Lloyd, Hilton Smith, Turkey Stearns, Mule Suttles, Cristobal Torriente, as well as Willie Wells. Other notable players who played for the team include Lyman Bostic Sr., Quincy Troop, Joe Lillard, who also played in the NFL for the Chicago Cardinals, Art Pennington, Jim Pendleton, and Joe Durham, who was actually signed by the St. Louis Browns prior to the 1953 season, but played for the American Giants instead of one of the Browns minor league teams, which were all located in the South at the time, where he was not welcome due to the color of his skin. Well, my fellow minor league nerds, that'll do it for this episode. I thank you for spending some time with me. Be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel or the podcast platform of your choice to be notified every time a new episode is uploaded. And until next time, remember to never stop supporting minor league baseball and never stop learning about minor league baseball history.